Ready, Dave? Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. It's time for Don't Let's Start a Podcast About They Might Be Giants. Dave, it's been a dog's age. Uh, <laughs> is that what it's been? <laughs> what I, this is about six, 15 years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How, what's, what's been new? I, I, I didn't want you to tell me what's new with you off mic because. Because it's all content. It's, <laughs> yeah, everything. Yeah, that's right. There's no friendship anymore. Our sponsors need to know what's new with Dave. I haven't seen Dave in like two months. <laughs> yeah. Did you <laughs> no, miss no me? No joke. I did. Nothing's new. How are you? Good. Let's see. I was in two shootings. <laughs> oh, you wanted to talk about this? <laughs> well, you I was hoping them? you were in a shooting too, so we could like relate oh, to each other. That's a horrible thing to wish on someone. <laughs> Why would you want that? No, I wish that you survived one so that you we could laugh about it later. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah, I was in a the American Dream Mall in New Jersey. Yeah, there was a shooting, and I it was on the second floor. I was on the third floor. Uh, I did not. Do you While know about it was this? happening? <laughs> yeah, um, that was a stupid place to be. Where <laughs> me or the yeah. shooter or the victim? No, you. Why would you? Why would you <laughs> want to be there if there was a shooting? Yeah, I got the press release. It was like, get your tickets. Yeah, why don't you avoid <laughs> it? Ticketmaster, four hundred dollars. I didn't know it was happening while you were there. Yeah. Well, what? What did you think my story was? That a shooting happened in a place? It was vague, and I also didn't hear. Well, anything I didn't tell about much. No, I didn't want to talk too much about it because it's like weird. Uh, but yeah, no, I want to tell you about it. Clearly, it didn't affect you since it's just content. Well, I went up to the shooter and I was like, "Do you like TMBG? <laughs> I have a podcast." Is that why he went on the rampage? <laughs> yeah, that's that's what happened. He missed me. He's like, "No," and he hit someone else. By the way, the person is alive who we shot, so we could joke about it a little bit. <laughs> we could no joke one got seriously injured. I think. I don't think we can joke about it. Still. And then a week later, yeah. I got kicked off the subway because there was another shooting. Yeah. Well, um, you weren't in it. No, but I was, I was, it was on it. the train line. I, I mean, I was in it, if, if that's what qualifies well, I was, as in it. Well, I was affected by it because they, well, so was they stopped our train and kicked yeah. us off. And so let's downgrade it to one. It was, well, it was, it was enough a that I was like, wow, the second time. Uh, yeah, no, something's going on. <laughs> in a week. Yeah, it's funny because today a woman came up to me outside. I'd like to change your mind. And say, yeah. Well, it was almost, it was weirder than that. She just started talking about poison your mind. Sorry, scared, don't send us letters. How scared she is. Yeah. Uh, because of an incident that happened uh, on Juno Street. And I was like, I Oh, well, yes, that is right near us. Yeah. But see, yeah, I didn't know I it. But see, I didn't know about it. So I don't know what she's talking about. I'm like, sorry, I don't know. And she just started, this is a stranger on the yeah. street. And we were crossing the street. And she was just talking to me, and I was like, this is creepy, because she was talking about, oh, it's not safe, it's not safe. Yeah, yeah a woman, a dead body was found in a duffel bag a yeah. few blocks from where we live. I mean, that doesn't happen every day. No, so no. I don't think we should be but especially not on, too alarmed. in our neighborhood. Yeah. It's a place that we're, we're by all the time. That's true. <laughs> you know that movie? It's like that movie, Eight Heads in a Duffel Bag. Yeah. Remember that? <laughs> With Joe Pesci. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. The Tarantino craze creating all these weird, yeah. funny crime movies that no one uh, yeah. remembers anymore. I remember. Um, I think about that era a lot. It's interesting. Why are we here, Dave? Is it to talk about narrowly escaping violent shooters when you're having a yeah. fun day at the mall with your niece? <laughs> or are we here to talk Yikes. about... <laughs> yeah, it really ruined the day. Genuinely. It sucked. Um or are we here to talk about 
They Might Be Giants, 1993 release. <laughs> Which one's more important? Which, <laughs> well, to this show, I'd, right. I'd argue the latter. But you know, when these horrible things happen, these tragic things, we're reminded of the precious gift of life. I was. And uh, how we squander it talking about They Might Be Giants for 20 hours a day. That's a perfect uh, summation of yeah. everything. Um, in 1993, They Might Be Giants. There was put another out, shooting. There was, well, probably. Um, they put out Why Does the Sun Shine? Yeah. The sun, parentheses, the sun, I want to talk about this in a minute. The sun is a mass of incandescent gas. Yes, uh, long an, title. An EP. Now, Jordan, EP stands for extended play. Ugh. Tell us the history of that. <laughs> uh, I'm kidding, don't. Yeah, okay. Go on. That, that I didn't go too far into. Um, what is paper made out of? <laughs> the sun, according to, yes. yeah, I mean, they might be giants. They they threw, a, they threw the whole kit and caboodle into <laughs> the stuff that makes up the sun in later right. versions, but we'll talk about that too. But, um... We're not, and by the way, we're only going to, I meant to text this to Dave. Um, Is there some important thing I should know? We're not going to talk about the rock version. We're only going to talk about. It's like all I had. The version, that, that's what I thought. That's why I was going to text you and I forgot. Um, we're only going to talk about. I don't about need to follow your rules. The, the jaunty childlike version as appears here and, and as the way they did it live for a while. I don't like these parameters the, you're putting on my creative spirit. The rock version is for later. Severe tire damage, I'm assuming, is the first official um, wide release, mm -hmm. right, of the, the rock version. But then they released it again yeah, on yeah. Here Comes Science. And uh, by that point, I think we're just going to be tired of, <laughs> of talking about it. Right. Um, the rock version was the first version I heard. Sure, yeah. Just so you know. Can Probably, I at least say that? Am too. I allowed to? Me too, me too. And then, yeah, years, I think years later, I, I heard the EP. And I guess that's yeah. the official recorded yeah, version. Yeah, I think like a lot of fans, we, we like, oh, there's a weird thing they released that I didn't, haven't grabbed exactly. yet. And I right. kind of grabbed it and I was like, whoa, oh, cool. Yeah, very different. Um, and the whole EP is weird. Um, yeah. There's a lot to talk about on about this EP. I don't doubt it. On every level and about the song. I'll come back later. But first, <laughs> I'm going to have a sip of coffee. They put out this EP that's three cover songs and one preview that's true of a, of a you ever song. think about that folks of, and one preview of a song that is yet to be released but in a different version yeah, and not that different but not yeah. that but we'll talk about those differences because oh boy there's some spicy stuff good golly miss molly <laughs> so I'm, I'm holding the why does the sunshine ep yeah. you hear that <laughs> <laughs> i just want to prove to people that i'm you know podcast it's such a there's no physical yeah. it's i want i want a physical feeling <laughs> that's my that's my sexy song. I want to feel anything. <laughs> <laughs> that's my Marvin Gaye song yeah. from the seventies. I want a physical feeling. What is the Sunshine EP, Dave? What do you think of this cover? Love well, it. The the album art. I that's mean, some, not the cover that's, song. <laughs> that's um, among. That is funny. <laughs> yeah. Let me finish. <laughs> it's among some of my favorite uh, album art that they've put out. I love it. I love the fifth, the forties, fifties style of it. That's the, right. The, the, the I love that aesthetic. Cheerful. That, yeah. That's my aesthetic. Disturbingly cheerful. Yeah, I think it's a little tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> oh, yeah, a little ple strangely pleasant. I feel like maybe this guy's being consumed by the sun. <laughs> Unsettlingly pleasant. Uh, great design. Yeah. Great topography. Ooh. Yeah. There's um, a word for you. Speaking, is that, I thought that was on a map where you can see mountains and shit. Oh, uh, you're thinking of topiary. Topiary. No. <laughs> 
Oh boy, here come the emails. That's topography. I said typography. <laughs> okay, I thought you said topography. That's I might have genuinely confused. We, we could go back. Let's go back. Typography with a Y is the okay. type that is used. Topography mm. with an O is yeah, the so mountain you, ranges and so if and you're st- starting an online dating profile and you say I have a specific type, you can make a. If little... you start an online dating profile and mention either of those, you should yeah. redo it. <laughs> you can make a little joke. You yeah. can say mm-hmm. my typography is. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Short and spunky. <laughs> I'm really glad I That's never how I met to, my uh, yeah. girlfriend, my fiance. I said short and spunky, and she said, Here I am. Really glad I never had to do online dating. I'm glad hey, you missed out. You missed yeah. out on oh, lots sure. of meaningless, empty <laughs> I still wouldn't, <laughs> even if I had encounters. To. Well, that's a whole other podcast. But <laughs> I, could, I think I would just I could roll the f- dice in the real world <laughs> and not hmm. do anything virtually because I hate being online. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, you you don't like being online. Yeah. I mean, I I I could start a <laughs> I, 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 I could make a fifty episode podcast because yeah. I went on fifty dates about yeah, around yeah. before I met uh, Kristen fifty, yeah. and I I've been, tried to think of a, actually oh, an outlet for those stories, but it, I'm worried they'll come across as too much just me crapping on random girls, which doesn't seem fair. Well, whatever you're into, and myself, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Back. We're we're back, baby. We're back. Haven't missed a step. Guess who's back? <laughs> Back again. I'm the only one who can not even sing an Eminem song. Well, perhaps we should move on. <laughs> That's going to sound like an edit, but it's not. <laughs> yeah. Per- perhaps we, yeah. What do you think of the album cover, My Friend and Foe? Dave, I, I'm, this is what I'm going to say. It doesn't matter what I think. I think I think what what matters is what Megan Cash, the woman who designed the, the thing, thinks. Ah. And I emailed this Did woman. Did you like it, though? <laughs> <laughs> I love this cover. Okay. I, I agree with everything Dave said. I love right, the re- the retro. Yes. You know, what, what's very in right now is retro, vintage, nostalgia. Yeah, yeah. This is nostalgia before nostalgia was a thing. Yeah. Right? Ahead of the curve. It's Well, we talk about this, me and, and, and Kristen talk about this a lot, the weird thing about how in the 80s there was like nostalgia for the 50s. Right. And now there's nostalgia for the 80s. It's of like course. A, it's like a 30-year gap. It's almost like no one wants to be in the time they're in. <laughs> yeah. And in the 50s there was nostalgia for the, the 20s. 20s. Yeah. And They're like, oh, I miss flapping. <laughs> in the 20s, it was nostalgia <laughs> for the 1890s. They're just like, oh, I miss steam power. Yeah. I don't know. And in the 1890s, okay. it was nostalgia for the 1850s or 60s. And they were like, oh, I miss so uh, on so speeches on, on podiums on the <laughs> in the railroad that would yeah. come through the... Yeah, that's that's what used to happen, right? <laughs> I always I whenever you I'm look, out of my depth. <laughs> when you look up stuff about like presidents or candidates, they're always like at a railroad station. Yeah, a railroad a opening. <laughs> yeah, they're opening a railroad. This new stop will yeah, be that doesn't happen much landmark. anymore. I think all the railroads yeah. are open. <laughs> open for business. I emailed wow, there's a long a long way around this. I emailed Megan we'll Cash. Cut it down. Megan is credited as yeah. um design. Yep. And that could mean well, all she sorts knocked of it things. Out of the park. Megan gracefully, uh, this is what she said. Oh, that's it's awesome. Not, there's not, not there? a lot of detail, but I, I am, it's, there's a, a sentiment here that I think is really nice. I did reach out to her. I reached out, full disclosure, I reach out to literally everybody. So what, yeah. you, what you hear in the podcast is whoever got back to me. What you get. So just use your imagination. I reached out. I think I didn't reach out to Frank London, the trumpet player, <laughs> because maybe one other day, because he's on a lot of things. Sure. But uh, Coming up. I, I reached out to literally everybody in, in Involved in everything all the time. Megan, she wrote this. John Flansburg told me he wanted to use that little guy. So mm-hmm. that was the starting point, and everything was set up to work around that character. John Flansburg has a strong visual sense. He yeah. went to Pratt, where I am right now. 
me. And where I was also a student. He was a couple years ahead of me and I didn't know him then. Anyway, he's a really good art director and it was super yeah. fun to work with him on this project and some others. John Flansburg used to walk to my place and sit with me at a computer and we would work together. Very cool. That's nice. Yeah. yeah. That, I, I appreciated her her little remembrance. I mean, again, remember, this is like 93. It's yeah, a long yeah. time ago. Let's talk about the little guy, Dave. Let's talk the about little that man. little guy. You've got to listen to the little man, Jerry, <laughs> George. <laughs> Who does he say it to? Um, here's the thing, Dave. I spent a really long time trying to find where this little guy is from, as you can probably imagine. It, it's, it seems like it's too general to, to track I down. Came, it's like advertising art, I clip came art. close. Yeah. Dave, how close did I come? I will show you. Check this book out. Oh. I bought <laughs> I bought on a yeah, yeah. used bookstore. So here's the Definitely thing. in the ballpark. It's sure. in the it's this this it's gotta be this this guy. Yeah. If you flip through it actually. Well, I don't know if it's like one guy. That seems like a house style, you know? Let, yeah. So let, let me let Sorry. me let me backtrack. <laughs> Let me backtrack a bit. I apologize to the viewers so, for confusing everything. Through the magic of viewers, of, listeners, through the magic of Google <laughs> and and obviously the the TMB TMBW led me in different directions too. Um, there was also this guy's blog that helped with this. This little guy, uh, he originates. It's at a place. The little cartoon on the cover. The little cartoon man with the. I guess it's a tuxedo. Arms outstretched or a, and jovial. This guy originated at Stiver's Studio which was a, a advertising and design company that created a bunch of art for right. things, right? Okay. I found, so there- Can you gesticulate a little less wildly? <laughs> it's like very close to my face. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, Go on. There's a, okay. This is going to be played at our court trial <laughs> in a few years. And then he was so close to my face. So there's a series, and I'm, by the way, on our Twitter, at Don't Let's Pot, I'm going to post pictures and, and all this stuff. There's a series of books called Ready to Use. And what they are is is like you can cut out like artwork and clip art and stuff from these books. Right. A lot of these Ready to Use books have different sources of where the art came from. But I found the one where the art came from Stiver Studios. Mm -hmm. And it's called Ready to Use Humorous Advertising Cuts of the 1940s. Mm -hmm. If you look at this book, it looks like the exact same style, right. very close style. Um, as this little man, and I'll show Dave, there's even a few that almost look like the exact drawing. And honestly, I bought this on, on a, a used bookstore online, mm -hmm. and I was really disappointed that the little man wasn't in it. Yeah, but you definitely got your money's worth. This book is cool. Yeah, actually, Kristen really liked So look at this guy. Very close. Yeah. There's a little guy who has his arms out, and he's wearing the same exact thing. Yeah. He's got the same little eyebrows. The nose is a different style. That's what uh, I was wondering is, like, is this the same artist because the nose is so different? So, yeah, there's, like, Leah, there's, like, little guys with money. Because a lot of, <laughs> I remember fans back in the day, they used to, like, say he was, like, the Monopoly guy. Mm -hmm. And there's a couple guys in well, this the book. the Monopoly guy has a mustache. Has a mustache. Stupid. This is, like, his son yeah. or his brother. Yeah. yeah, there's there's a lot of like little guys in this that really really look like like the white is the sunshine guy, and honestly, I was like I was like shocked. I couldn't believe that this wasn't in there. Yeah, but they probably did like thousands and thousands of these drawings with slight variations. That's the thing, yeah. But this is the only. Um, I looked up all the ready to use books, and I couldn't find anything that had well, anything. Well, another failure for you. Close, I know. Close to the to that little guy. I think it's safe to say it's in that ballpark, though. So kudos. And this book, it says it was. It was selected by Dan Solo, and I, so, but he's not the artist. So this, the artist is a mystery. Yeah. Well, the artist is probably long dead. <laughs> yeah. Actually, wait, I actually might have... Uh, I can tell you a funny thing about the Stiver Studio founder, because this is all I found online about him. Howard Reppert Stivers. 
Howard Reppert Stivers was born in Iowa on May 4th, 1906. Stivers settled in San Francisco in 1920. He operated a publishing and art studio until his demise on December 6th, 1960. Hmm. So, That's how I want to be uh, remembered. Yeah. <laughs> for my I want demise. my obituary to say his demise. Yeah. He didn't die. He demised. That's like a really dramatic. <laughs> you think that was just the norm of how they used to say yeah. that all the time? I thought Dave would find that amusing. <laughs> until his demise. But that's all we have about the Stivers guy. <laughs> Until he was thrown off a cliff. You only say that about like kings. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's why I want that to be in my obituary. Yeah, exactly. Until his downfall. <laughs> yeah. So Stiver Studio was in San Francisco. Um, but yeah, that's all we know about the little guy. If you have a... a if you uh, are the little guy. If you are the little guy. We're on to you. Or the artist, please contact yeah. us and uh, we'll interview you for th- four hours yeah. about mm-hmm. the little... <laughs> as we do. I won't be there for that one, but good luck. So Dave... Then you you hey. o- you open up the CD as Whoa. as one does when they want to speak for yourself. They want to um, access the CD inside. Are you going to tell me how to play a CD? <laughs> we're I'm not there yet, Dave. Well, we're not playing. <laughs> Let's it. not jump we're ahead. We're just opening a book. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you open it up, and who's who's that? Who's that? Who's that? <laughs> who's that looking at you? The girl from Night of the Hunter. That's right. So then we've got Pearl. Yeah. From Night of the Hunter. Now. The- so I didn't know that. You know, obviously, I looked it up right before oh, we, we you talked. Didn't know that? No, I had no idea who that was. Interesting. I well, I also really haven't looked at this EP in a while, so I opened it up and I was mm-hmm. a little disturbed by that picture on the inside cover. It's a great. Well, it's yeah. funny because it's it's kind of doesn't fit with <laughs> the rest of the. I wanted art. to talk about that. Well, yeah. just so so it says inner photo Ralph Conan's, which is John sure. Flansburg's nom de plume. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> So I think oh. I think he took a photo of a TV of it on TV or something or maybe an or a ad newspaper, or yeah. a newspaper. Sure. Here's here's yeah, the it thing. It has that zip tone. That's right. We already talked a lot about Night of the Hunter in our Particle Man episode. So this ties to Particle Man and also later to Monopuff. Right. So Night of the Hunter is going to constantly be brought up. But um, so I don't want to talk too much about it. Directed by Charles Lawton, who was like a character actor who's in tons of old movies mm-hmm. that we watch that I didn't know was the guy for a really long time. Like Charles Lawton, he... He was in Hunchback of Notre Dame, right? Yeah, that's right. And he plays a lot of like butlers or rich guys in like old 40s movies, you know, where he's just like, whoa. And uh, it's only recently when I was really researching the movie and him and I was like, that's the guy who made Night of the Hunter, that random guy in all these movies because we watch a lot of old movies. crazy. The only thing I want to say about Pearl, (laughs) there's a funny quote, uh, a mean quote, from uh, Charles Lawton about why he cast this actress who's Sally Jane Bruce was her name. She mm-hmm. was a little, she was a child actress. Mm-hmm. She was in a bunch of stuff before Night of the Hunter, but then nothing after Night of the Hunter. She became a teacher. Hmm. And what's funny is I, I found her Facebook and <laughs> this is oh, her. she's still alive. She's alive. Alive well, and well. Well, here's the thing. Um, anyone who watches old movies and then looks up stuff about the kid actors in them knows to brace themselves when they're lurk, looking them up on Wikipedia, because most of their stories end in horrific tragedy. I mm. <laughs> um, wonder why that is. Beyond belief, like you wouldn't, I, I've actually stopped doing it because I'm like, I don't want to know what happened to this cute yeah. little kid in this right. 40s movie. So I, I braced myself as I looked her up and mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my God, she's a teacher and she's retired she, yeah, yeah. and she's alive and well and she has an active Facebook. And I was like, oh, thank Good. God. I almost considered asking her what she thought of this, but I'm like, what if she doesn't know and she's mad that they use her face <laughs> and they like suit? And she sues John and John, and we don't want that, do we? I guess not. I mean, it'd be a good scandal for our show. <laughs> we'd have to, again, we'd have to speak in court. <laughs> Look, I just want to speak in court about some things, people. Here's the quote about uh, 
<laughs> Charles Lawton said about why he cast her, and then we'll move on. He said he found Sally to be a, quote, repulsive. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Let me get through it. Be a repulsive, little, insensitive, pie-faced. Pie-faced. T- <laughs> That's such I'll, a funny insult. I'll start over. Pie-faced. Yeah. A repulsive, little, insensitive, pie-faced teacher's pet. And yet this is why he cast her as Pearl in well, the movie. Well, that's not very flattering. No, it's really mean. Times were bad for child actors. <laughs> the only other thing I want to talk about is the the, the back of the, of the EP has like very strange... That's just writing. Writing that... So Flansburg actually talked about that writing. He talked about this on the Tumblr. I'm just going to read what he said and then we'll move. we'll move on. He said... The writing on the back, which if you read it, it's like a little odd. It's Mm -hmm. kind of old fashioned. I'll I'll just read one line from it. It says like, the song takes the listener on a musical voyage to that shining spot on the far off horizon. But uh, he says it was essentially a collage of text drawn from a couple of found sources of text, pasting in our titles like you would in a Mad Lib. One was pretty ripe, very hypey piece of copy, and one was a bit drier. I can't remember what they were. We changed it up a bit to fit our material. I tried to find what this was, of course, mm. and I, I, I nothing came up at all. Like I tried using quotes from it and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. All that came up was why does the sunshine. But I, it's really funny if you've never like sat and read, sat, you know, maybe next time you're in the John, <laughs> uh, no pun intended. Yeah, I read it uh, yesterday and noticed that it was quite comical. It's comical. Can you tell by my tone? These are funny. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's comical, Jordan. It's, it's comical. Yeah. It's a great little release, though. Like, I, the art direction, like we said, it's yeah. just like it's a nice, it's just a nice thing to hold in your hand exactly. in, these, in these days of in these trying times. virtual insanity, as it's called. <laughs> yeah. That's what they call it. So in 93, uh, they were promoting this a lot. We want to thank you all for coming out to the show. And uh, what we have to announce, uh, The Sun is a Mass Mink and Dozen Gas is actually coming out on 7-inch vinyl. If you still have a record player... You can find that song in just a couple of weeks on Electra Entertainment and Music. I thought that was interesting that he said if if you still have a record player because this yeah. is the, when CDs were taking over right. everything. So it's just it's inter- like record players are gonna be thrown out the window, man. Yeah, exactly. So it's interesting the context of that. Which is they that, went downstairs, picked them back up twenty years later. Like they put out a vinyl, and the yeah. feeling back then was, why are we putting out a vinyl? Right. No one's buying vinyl now. It's the total opposite. CDs are filling up. You are <laughs> so astute. Uh, landfills. Yeah. Do I keep my CDs? I like CDs. I got my CDs. CDs. CDs, CDs. Let's go to track one on this thing. This is a big deal. This is there's there's not too many huge TMBG songs to talk about left, right? Like there's some big ones coming up in terms of their their kind hit of singles. Yeah, this, is that what you mean? I don't mean hit singles. I I kind of mean more in the fan. Uh, you know, like how much they play it live and how mm-hmm. big of an event it is as a song and. And it's like life as sure. a song. You know, it's like a thing like Dr. Worm is one. Right. And, you know. Um, well, that's what I meant by hit single. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't think I, I meant did. a hit among the fans. Yeah, yeah. Saved it. Whereas like, okay, here's an example though. If like when we talk about like Boss of Me, I don't think mm-hmm. that's a big song for the fans, but it's a big song in terms of their uh, career. But right. That's, a, it's that's like a what diff- I meant also. It's a different thing. <laughs> it's a different thing. But this is this is a major song and I want to devote a lot of uh uh, of your time to it, Dave. Okay. <laughs> of your time to, this week <laughs> to talking about it. So I'm let's down. let's go to track one. Why does the sun shine? The sun is a mass of incandescent gas. Parentheses. The sun is a mass of incandescent gas. A gigantic 
Nuclear furnace Where hydrogen is built into helium At a temperature of millions of degrees Yo-ho, it's hot There's an interview on TMBW where John Linnell is asked about it. He said, our new CD5 is called Why is the Sunshine? It's just kind of checking in on the scene. I don't Hmm. know what he means by that. Um, We don't have a full-length album coming out too soon, so it's not to prepare you for anything. It's got three (laughs) cover songs and one brand new song, and it's just kind of an odd piece for us, as they say in the record business. Do they? (laughs) The title of the track is an educational song originally recorded in 1959 and was in our repertoire for a number of years. We actually dropped it for a while because we'd been playing it for such a long time. A lot of people requested it and seemed to remember it. It seemed to have more impact than we recognized, and so we kind of resurrected it in the past couple months. So that's that's like the first bit of background mm-hmm. is that they they played the song a lot in the 80s uh, in their 80s shows. It was kind of a break from the drum machine stuff. It was like a duo song that they did. Right. And that's especially a good thing when like the drum machine breaks or something, you know, they just need to do a yeah. duo. They did other songs like that, like Hope That I Get Old Before I Die and, and other things. We've got a special little distance dedication to our friend Pete. We learned how to play this next song in an apartment on Park Slope on uh, 3rd Street about 100 years ago. And uh, it's changed over the years, but the lyrics remain the same. The song is called Why Does the Sun Shine? But before we go into They Might Be Giants covering it and stuff, I, I want to give background on on this song. I want to play clips of the original version. I'll allow it. I want to talk about uh, Space Songs, the yeah. album it's from, which I bought a vinyl of on cool, eBay. Dude. If anyone's interested, it was super affordable <laughs> and it's really beat up, but, uh, but so am I. All right. Zoom a little zoom in a rocket ship. Off we go on a trip, heading for the moon at a rocket clip. We're gonna zoom, zoom, rocket. Zoom a little zoom, now we're almost free from the Earth. I find that very TMBG-ish, rocket, you know, like yeah, it's, yeah. it's really TMBG-ish. That's a catchy song. That, that's been in my head a few it times. It is. Tom Glazer and Dottie Evans Space Songs, and the, the subtitle is From Ballads for the Age of Science by High Zaret and Lou Singer. So that's that's a lot of people. That, rolls off the tongue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a lot of people to uh, talk about now. So I'm going to try to like zoom. No pun intended, because track one is zoom a little zoom. Dave, you would have oh, laughed. <laughs> you would have. That's going to be the name of my autobiography. You would have laughed. There's a there's a lot. I, to, I listened to it. Yeah, Dave listened to it. Yeah. I've actually had the MP3s of this record for a really long time. Because and of this song, yeah. Or because be- you were such a fan of who are these people? Because of because of this, Hi, there's Zarek. four people. That's the thing. So Tom Glazer, Dottie Evans. Because of they might be giants. I I forget where I got them, but I I have all the so ballads for the age of science. It's actually a series of albums. One is called Energy and Motion Songs. That's by the same people as the as oh, this wow, one. There's more. How do we measure energy? In foot pounds. Foot pounds. How do we know when it gets to be? A foot pound, foot pound, the energy. Experiment songs, nature songs, more nature songs, and weather songs. That's but, good news. But the space songs one, I, I, I genuinely think is the best one. Mm-hmm. I've had the MP3s for a long time, so I'm actually very familiar with this. I, I have it on my, I used to like throw it on my iPod and play it in the car. So I, I probably played stuff for you in the past. If anything, did you listen sounded to these familiar. for fun? 
I did. Well, I just I would have it on my iPod, so it would be yeah. on shuffle, and it would pop up, and I'd be like, oh, there's a cute, fun yeah. uh, little science song. Obviously, I think this is a huge inspiration for Here Comes Science, yeah. They Might Be Giants album. I think this is a big inspiration for a lot of things they do, mm -hmm. especially if this is something they grew up with. Let's talk a bit about that, and then we're going to talk about how they might be giants got maybe got the idea to do this. And I have some exclusive information for Dave. Exclusive, exciting. I can't wait. So, okay. Let's talk Good about golly, the Miss Molly. Let's talk about the songwriters first. Hi Zarrett. Spelled H Y. Yeah, yeah. Hi Zarrett. Hi Zarrett was a lyricist. He wrote the lyrics on this album and on Why Does the Sunshine. So those are his lyrics. He's the Jim Steinman. A famous song that he wrote uh, that I think is pretty crazy. He wrote this song, Dave. Yo, Yo touch. <laughs> yeah, sorry, interrupted your talk. Um, What'd you say? You're home? I said yo ho, because oh. <laughs> that's what it says in the song. Um, he wrote Unchained Melody. Yeah. Here's Flansburg talking about that a bit. That's a famous song. We've got one more song for you now, but we made it a special infotainment song jam packed with real life actual information. Linnell, one question 93 or 96? What? 93 or 96? I can never remember. The part that you used to always say in the middle of the song that I now do. Oh, it's, it's 93 million. 93, okay, 93, just wanted to make that clear. Ladies and gentlemen, this next song is an infotainment song. It was written by a guy, I can't remember his name. Hi Zarrett. Hi Zarrett's the name of the guy who wrote this song. He wrote Unchained Melody. He's 93. He's 93 years old. He's not 96 years old. He's very stingy about royalties. We'd cover more of his songs if he was a little bit more, you know generous but uh here's a song we like to call why does the sun shine so yeah he wrote unchained melody yeah. which, which is is pretty that must have gotten him a pretty penny that's right yeah uh, he's a lyricist he's done a lot of stuff that's hi zaret so even though the lyrics are by hi zaret uh as you'll hear in this clip the first line of the song is actually from something else. I have to ask you about that song you just sang. Uh, where does that come from? You just that song had was packed with scientific information, more so yeah. than most songs that we hear on this show. Well, <laughs> the thing that's interesting about that song is I don't know if you've ever um, like been to a, a summer house or something. There are always two books, like a a bird watching book and a uh, a book about the stars. Right. And you open up, you know, page one of the Golden Book of Stars, and it says, "The sun is a mass of incandescent gas." A gigantic nuclear furnace. And they leave out the yo-ho part, but uh, <laughs> but pretty much, you know, I was surprised that, you know, it wasn't somehow uh, credited to the Golden Book when we got the uh, publishing rights. It's on an educational record from the 50s called Space Songs. That was a song. You guys didn't write that song. That's, that's a... It's a cover. That's right. It's a People's cover. favorite songs of ours are the ones that we didn't actually write. <laughs> Check this out, Dave. Another eBay purchase. Well worth it. I bought the book, A Golden Guide to Stars, full color, easy to use, <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> easy to insert. <laughs> it, it is small. So anyway, Flansburg says when you open it up, it has the line. And look at this. It's page, page 16, the sun. And it says, it actually doesn't say it exactly the way Flansburg says, 
but it says in the second paragraph, the sun is a mass of incandescent gas. Its core is a gigantic nuclear furnace ah. where hydrogen is built into helium at a temperature of millions of degrees. And there you have it, folks. Can you believe that? Yes. And it says a lot more about the sun, but you'll have to buy it. Yeah. Because I don't want to rip off these uh, golden guys. Yeah. <laughs> don't want to kill the golden goose. Is that still in production? <laughs> I don't think so. But isn't that crazy? It's crazy, it's exactly Jordan. exactly the lyric. Exactly. That song is from a, a science record called... Is that from a science yeah, record? it's from a, you know, an educational record. from. The so you didn't 60s. even write that one? No, we didn't write it. <laughs> in fact, the guy who wrote it didn't even write it, because if you look up the sun in, uh, I think it's like... The, and it's, the Golden Guide to Planets. Uh, it's pretty much a children's verbatim. astronomy book. You can, you can read the words of the song right off the page. Just, <laughs> I mean, you took you know, the text and made it into a song, which we think is cool. I think that's <laughs> real cool. So all I have to do is buy some books. And it says here. And then I'll make some songs. It's, it says here, it is unsafe to observe the sun directly with the naked eye or binoculars. That's not true. I'm going to prove him wrong right now. Let me, let me read from it. About five billion years ago, something, perhaps a nearby supernova explosion. Sounds like they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> something. Caused a cloud <laughs> yada, yada, yada. of interstellar gas to begin contracting, heating up. Oh, and I, I relate to that. <laughs> into a dense inner region and a diffuse outer region. Well. Wow. I'm glad uh, don't throw you it that. about to throw it at me. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll post pictures from the page. You it'll do be, that. It'll be very exciting. But yeah, I thought this was really cool. It, it's really cool to see where that line originates. It's it is poetic in a way. You yeah. can see how they like turn that into a song. Wait, uh, actually, this is poetic too. The sun's dazzling surface, the photosphere, is speckled with bright patches and with dark sunspots. That's kind of like me too. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like my my soul. Let's talk about the guy who wrote the music, Lou Singer. Um, fun fact, he died in Forest Hills, where, where we oh, live. Where that lady just died. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a new trend mm. going around, dying in Forest Hills. Um, what's weird about Lou Singer, there's no uh, Wikipedia for him. So it's kind of hard. It was a little harder. <laughs> Suspicious. To, yeah. It's, it's um, Almost choked <laughs> saying that. He, it was a little harder piecing stuff together, but there's some crazy stuff about Lou Singer. So again, he wrote the- I peeked at the screen. Sorry. <laughs> Now I know. Don't. No. Shit. Um, he was dead the whole time. <laughs> Lou Singer. So he wrote all the music for this album. And I, I, I'd consider him a genius because this is a fantastic album and great melodies, great uh, great structure of the songs, all tons of fun arrangements. Mm -hmm. Lou Singer, he wrote Gigantor, the yeah. theme, the American. I think it has a different theme in the original Japanese mm -hmm. ones. So as we know... They Might Be Giants used to play Gigantor, right. the Gigantor theme, which was an old cartoon. Yes. I'm never sure how much we need to like go back and talk Refer about stuff. Refer to episode, what episode? But then the earlier years, uh, okay. one of them. 18 maybe. Yeah, yeah. I don't something know. like that. I don't even know if they know this, right? Hmm. Um, that Lou Singer wrote, he wrote, he didn't just write Gigantor. If you look at his IMDb, he wrote like all the music in all those episodes for Gigantor. Wow. And he doesn't have a Wikipedia. Um, another. Prime. Why don't you start one? Yeah, I will. Everybody. I have time. Anybody can do that, right? Yeah, I think so. Another weird thing about him is he played the mallet in the Green Acres theme song when it's very mallet heavy. I'll, I'll play it for you right now, Dave. Oh, please do. Oh, 
is the place to be. <laughs> Green Acres is a sitcom. Yeah. I'm sorry, I don't have. To, I really don't have time to go into the whole thing. I just thought it was interesting that Lou Singer. You don't guy, have time. <laughs> um, no one does. I thought it was interesting that Lou Singer, the guy who wrote "Why Does the Sunshine," plays the mallet, which is the little percussive. Yeah. On the Green Acres theme. So next time you're watching Green Acres, as I know you all are, right. binge watching it. Uh, think about why does the sun shine? Yeah. The other thing is these two, Zarat and Singer, one song they wrote together is called was an old song that was pretty popular called One Meatball. Uh-huh. And this is this is a precursor to another thing. But let's let's listen to One Meatball because this is Is this on top of spaghetti? No, that that's what's crazy. Song? Different song and still yeah. related. And wow. we're we're gonna talk about that. This is gonna this Wait, is, we are? We are. <laughs> this is so exciting. Oh my God! You've been waiting so long for this new episode. Hold on, I'm just gonna and put this around my throat. <laughs> Dave's putting the headphone cable around his neck as to simulate uh, hanging himself. Yeah. <laughs> Let, let's listen to one meatball. <laughs> this is a performance by the Andrews Sisters. Why just Every, one meatball? Everyone's favorite. It's a song about poverty. Mm. Well, kind of ruined my buzz. So come on, Meredith. Let's bounce the old meatball, huh? I said that to Chrissy last night. <laughs> Another little man. That's a crazy point. No, it's not. Place in town. He looked the menu through and through to see what 15 cents could do. One meatball. Hey, one meatball can be very filling. Depends how big they make them. Kind of a haunting, uh, yeah. it's like one of the creepy cartoon songs. Haunted Meatball. So the two of them who wrote this album meatball and, and White the Sunshine, they wrote One Meatball. Just for some more context. Now let's talk about the performers. Oh, I'm hungry. Um, now what's weird is this whole album, just about every song is the singers Dottie Evans and Tom mm. Glazer. But for some reason on Why Does the Sunshine, which is a duo song where one person says facts and one person sings, as we know from John right. and John, for some reason, Tom Glazer alone does both. I noticed that too. And I wonder <laughs> why that is. Was she not around that day? I think they got into a little dispute. Where hydrogen is built into helium at a temperature of millions of degrees. The sun is hot. It is so hot that everything on it is a gas, iron, copper, aluminum, and many others. The sun is large. If the sun were hollow, a million earths could And for more context, there, there's songs where there's a singing part, and then like and white as the sunshine, there's a speaking part, and they, uh, they, they yeah. trade off on that. So yeah, like, yeah, yeah. There are many billions of galaxies, each of them with billions of stars. Could it be that somewhere among all these, there's another planet like ours? Our galaxy is a flat spiral composed of billions of stars. The nearest galaxy to ours is a million light years away. The farthest we can see are about a billion. So as you see, like they trade off. But the strange thing is, is Dottie Evans is not on Why Does the Sunshine? But just because I thought Dave would find this song she sang previously funny, mm-hmm. I'm going <laughs> to just play a, a song that Dottie Evans 
saying in the 50s called If I Give My Heart to You. If I give my heart to you Will you handle it with care? Will you always treat me tenderly? And in every way... So yeah, that, that's an interesting... Yeah. That's definitely a not a timeless song in the way that you don't <laughs> hear <laughs> that kind of thing anymore. But I thought that was like really... She sounds really different in that. Yeah, you could kind of tell it's really? the same. It's weird. Um, someone made a someone made a YouTube playlist of like dozens of songs she sings on. Mm. So you might want to, I might tweet that out. It's She's got a great voice. Right. A lot of great old kind of love songs. You do whatever you want. This is the only thing where she sings about, you know, space and yeah. stuff. Tom, do you know, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Do you know how these even come about? Was there a big need for people to make a science album in the 50s? There is a little bit of info because on the back of the vinyl, which I'm holding. That proves it. <laughs> it. It talks a little bit about the Singing Science Records, which like I said was the series. It was done by Motivation Records, which is the name of like the company. You think that was um, a direct reaction to like all the rock music? They're like, we need to bring back some education. <laughs> Into the <laughs> maybe into the households, yeah, of the record listener. Yeah, no more songs about Gyrating having a, having pelvises. a picnic <laughs> in, in a in a park. Yeah. Let's just quickly go to Tom Glazer. He's the singer of "Why Does the Sunshine," the original. Um, Tom Glazer, he basically did a lot of folk songs and kid songs. In fact, first let's listen to let's listen to TMBG. Let's listen to John Linnell say who this guy is. Cool. Dude. This is a guy who wrote and, and performed educational songs in the 50s, and he was a huge star. Well, uh, uh, Tom Glazer performed it, and he did a lot of Folkways records, which were like big... Uh, he was a huge star. Yeah, he was a huge star. He, he did uh, uh, On Top of Spaghetti. I'm sure oh. You know that. <laughs> big. Big. We're talking, we're talking moving units. That's a classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he also did all these like uh, American folk song records that were lingering around our New England homes. You know, folk was big in right. Cambridge in the 60s. You know. So yeah, right. we're we're back to meatballs, Dave. We got spaghetti because Tom. Glazer, we got meatballs. This is one of the ones he did. I think I know I'll, what I'm having I'll for dinner. Hi, kids. Hi, Tom. Let's sing a little bit. On top of spaghetti. On top of spaghetti. All covered with cheese. All covered with cheese. I lost my poor meatball. I lost my poor meatball. When somebody sneezed. When somebody. Wow, uh, Dave, true. Dave is like going right back to his childhood right yeah. now. He's he's. Oh, we put very different lyrics uh, to that song when I was a kid. Oh, really? Can't say them on the air. Oh, really? Okay, <laughs> different time. <laughs> it was about foreigners. <laughs> oh no, it was just about killing the teacher. <laughs> oh, oh, well, it's funny. So I'm glad you said that because there, because I did, you're a terrible person. <laughs> I did find some funny. Tom Glazer does have some funny, dark, gross children's songs that I thought you'd find funny. Yeah. Here's here's one that you might remember from your childhood too. My childhood from the 50s. Yeah. <laughs> Great green gobs of greasy, grimy gopher guts, mutilated monkey meat, itty bitty birdie feet. Great green gobs of greasy, grimy gopher guts, and me without a spoon. Some people eat 
So, so there was like gross. a funny, gross song. One more Tom Glazer song I just wanted to play because I was trying to find one where he sings in the deep way like he does on Why Does the Sunshine, mm-hmm. which maybe let's listen to a little bit of that first. Uh, here's here's the original Why Does the Sunshine, if I haven't already played it as I, I can't am remember. piecing this episode together. I can't remember either. Let's just listen to it. Okay. The sun is a mass of incandescent gas, a gigantic nuclear furnace, where hydrogen is built into helium at a temperature of millions of degrees. Yo ho, it's hot. The sun. So yeah, he he sings "Why Does the Sunshine" in this funny deep yeah. voice, which I always I wanted to you, why like why that because all the other songs are done serious. pretty straight. Oh. Do you think it's because the sun is, he's talking about how huge it is that he's yeah. like, oh, let me do a big voice. Is that the joke? It could be a joke. Okay. Well, so I was trying to find a Tom Glazer song where, <laughs> does, where he does that kind of voice. And the only one I could find is one that I really relate to. And it's called, Oh, How I Hate to Get Up in the Morning. Okay. <laughs> and I think you relate to this too. Yeah, I do. But I think you're more of a morning person even than me. Like I yeah. really, like you have an early schedule and I, yeah, it's yeah. so hard for me to do that. Let's listen to this one a bit. And it's mostly kids singing, but then Tom... Tom I get a lot more done when I get up early. I have everyone to does. It's yeah. really good for you, but yeah, I can't. I, I like it now. It's extremely I, but hard. I'm with you for a long time. Yeah. Was not an early so Tom's uh, part. I Let's believe, talk more about my sleep. I believe habits. Tom plays like a school official in this song. I don't think that's what they're called. You gotta get up this morning. Someday I'm going to murder the counselor. Someday they're going to find you dead. I'm happy to find you dead. <laughs> I, I, this is my new favorite song now. <laughs> is it? It got dark. <laughs> That took a turn. <laughs> uh, no, I was like, oh, this is amazing. I mean, the reason I'm playing. I'll bathe in his blood. <laughs> I'm playing all these clips. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah, you you could see the inf- the TMBG influence. Like, yeah. I'm no joke. Like, that's. This is like dark, wow. funny. I mean, it's kind of like what Weird Al d- does too. And like when I was a kid, Weird Al songs were all about murder. Yeah. And I feel like nowadays it's kind of- Can't do that anymore. Can't, it's seen as a little too much, but yeah. kids love that. I mean- I think so too. Dark sense of humor and kid stuff really mixes well, I think. You just have to, you'd have to like find that line, but that, that's right. part of the fun too. Gremlins. Right? Gremlins is a good that's example. The line. It's the perfect scary kids movie. Yes, I agree. Yeah, it's funny. That's that comes up a lot. Like I, there was some Facebook friend who was like a new parent or whatever for a few years, and they were just like, "Oh, is this movie too scary to show my kids or whatever?" And he named like what I consider a children's movie. I don't mm-hmm. remember one, but it was like you know it was like a children's movie, and I was like, "No, that's a kids movie." Mm, but yeah. other people were like, "No, no, it made my kid cry," and it's like, oh. yeah, but some <laughs> stuff you never know what's gonna make a kid cry. Like I cried from one thing on Sesame Street when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I but cried I still from... remember it as a day that like freaked me out. Yeah. So. Oh, I'm the same way. I cried yeah. from really weird, random, non-scary so, I things. I guess just throw it all the wall, see what sticks, see what traumatizes your kid. Yeah. <laughs> so, what's the history? of how They Might Be Giants got this album or just started covering the song. And I've got some interesting information, Dave. I'll bet you do. Do you remember Watchface? I sure do. Watchface was a Chief. performance arts uh, collective in the 80s that they played at Dorinka. 
our buddy Gary, Gary Ray. Gary Ray. He recently posted some old flyers. If you ever want to check out the Dorinka Facebook group, hi Gary. They they performed everywhere. Joshua Freed, who we talked yes. to about Watchface, and he was in it. And hi Joshua. Watchface pre they might be giants do yeah. do I think pre they might be giants doing White Sunshine. They had a show called Space Songs. The show was Joshua Freed and, and other people doing like weird, freaky <laughs> versions of the space yeah. songs. So, so check this out. That's what I call performance art. <laughs> So they did the song, It's a Scientific Fact, from yeah. Space Songs. They also did the song, Zoom a Little Zoom, our favorite <laughs> that we talked about. So when I, when I saw this, I was wondering what, what is the connection, if any, to They Might Be Giants also doing a song from Space Songs, also in kind of the same performance art venues and that, that scene. Joshua Freed, I wrote to him. He responded. I'm glad he's still responding. He's still responding to me. I haven't burned that bridge yet, <laughs> uh, like I have so many others. He said, there is a connection, but I'm hazy about what it is. I think about 15 <laughs> years or so ago, I recalled the Flans, or maybe it was Iris Rose. Iris is the uh, watch face leader. Mm -hmm. That Flans asked me about the album before they sang Why Does the Sunshine? And I vaguely recall being corrected on that. How? I don't recall. Maybe Flans borrowed my copy of the LP. Come to think of it, I don't think I have it anymore. Hey, <laughs> Linnell never returned an issue of Mondo 2000 I loaned to him. For sure, there was some discussion about it. Iris might know more. So then I contacted Iris <laughs> Rose, Dave. I I'm like a, I'm like a, I'm investigating a murder. So then I asked Iris if she can clarify Joshua Freed's memory, and she says... James Sienna and I were married when we met TMBG and we used to listen to a cassette tape that Joshua gave us of space songs and share it with people when they came over. Mm. It was very much a part of our lives. As I remember it, Flansburg heard Why Does the Sun Shine at Our Home, though I have read later that he may have known the song already from childhood and hearing it at our house jogged his memory. It was in wow. Music Project. That's the name of the overall show where Space Songs appeared in Watchface. Mm -hmm. It was in Music Project, not because of TMG, but because we love those songs. In 2001, I also sang some of those Space Songs with Brian Dewan at the Museum of Television Radio, now the Paley Center, as part of Greasy Kid Stuff's annual show. And if you didn't know, TMG wrote a theme song for Greasy Kid Stuff. Yep. It's all connected. <laughs> so that's what she said. Well, I think what she's saying is she's... Wow. Iris and maybe Joshua Freed are responsible for this whole thing happening, which is a, just a really cool connection. Yeah, wow. I was excited to to dig that deep into it and see all the origins. Right. At the very least, the seeds of these songs have been there for a while. Yeah, it was kind of just a thing that everyone like was like, yeah. oh, that album's really fun. Let's, right. let's you know. So yes, so then, now we can talk about They Might Be Giants did this song in the 80s. You know, this is pre this EP. Here's a few fun 
versions of them doing it. And, and you'll, I have a, po- a larger point here, which is like how funny they made the song mm-hmm. and how the version they recorded is not funny. Um, uh-huh. Exactly. Not in an obvious way. Well, it's straight. It's up. straight. It's played straight, straight. Up, man. It's straight up <laughs> dope. Yeah, it's um, straight dope. So let's let's they do it funny live. They do it funny live, and I at first I was but wondering. We're not allowed to talk about that. No, apparently. we're not allowed to talk about that. But what I was wondering is, oh, did they? Is the funny live thing new? And then when I heard these '80s versions, I was like, no, it's right. it was actually funny before the CD came out. So I'll just play you a little example of that. So was the record label the one that said play it straight, or was it they might be giant? I, I I'll tell you. I'm gonna we're gonna talk about it. We're going to figure it out together, but okay. I, I've got some clips to support my, um, my assumptions. Okay. Well, as, as I, I don't have clips. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I'm not Dave good shows up with giant shopping bags of reel to reel tape. Yeah. Here's a version, very early version, 1987, April 19th. This was on a, this was a radio show, but there was an audience there. It is so hot that everything on it is a gas. Nitrogen. Hydrogen. Helium. And estrogen. The sun is large. Okay, so this clip is interesting because I think they're passing the mic around to people in the, either in the radio station or mm. the crowd. And it actually occurred to me, like, that's a good bit. They should do, they could have done huh. that live. I mean, they kind of... They don't really touch the audience much because yeah. uh, there's like a definitely like a a, a metaphorical wall up <laughs> for them and the audience. But I was thinking like, oh, that'd be really fun, wouldn't it? You might to, be uh, to pass the mic around. It'd be like a little the fate of that song at risk. <laughs> that's true. But it'd be like kind of like a kindergarten class, which I think, I think is you what would they're just going get a lot for of here. Screaming. <laughs> that's right. Well, speaking of a lot of screaming, here's here's You're a welcome. Here's a version from 1987, December 31st. We need The sunlight comes from our own suns, atomic energy. Scientists have found that the sun has a huge... Wait, 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 stop, stop, stop! There's one more piece of important information we have to give you before we can end this song. Please, please hold your applause till the end. Scientists have found that the sun is a huge... Atom-smashing machine. The heat and light from the sun are caused by the nuclear reaction between hydrogen, oxygen, helium, nitrogen, wood, and oxygen, more oxygen. The sun is a mass of incandescent gas, a gigantic Everyone stays where hydrogen is built into helium. So I really like these early, like I like, I, I love the rock version because it's fun, but I really like the yeah. kind of like, we're just going to stop the show and be in this weird duo thing yeah. for, for this song. There's there's one more version, just to show you, they even did like wacky stuff for the non-naming the gases part. Mm-hmm. And yet, it is only a medium-sized star. The sun is far away. It's about 93 million miles away. 
That's why it looks so small. But even These 80s versions are very funny. You hear the audience laughing. But then when they settle into Excello Studios, which is also where they did the John Henry demos, to record this, they play it really straight, right. Dave. The funniest version of all. The f which is what I think. I think it's funnier in a way to not be funny. And so that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's how I get by anyway. Yeah. Um, Anti-comedy. Right. But here's the thing. Uh, I thought about it, and, and, and I'm going to play you some, some interview clips just to back this up, but I think if they had made this one funny, mm -hmm. if they had, like, nailed down a few jokes yeah. on the CD, it would kind of, you'd get sick of it. There's a thing about making music that holds up to repeat, repeated listening. I think in the field that we're in where we're writing songs that have a sense of humor about them, it's very easy to write sort of a novelty song that's kind of stuns the listener or shocks people the first time, but it's not necessarily something you want to come back to. And I think very early on we made the decision that we were much more interested in, in making recordings that you could listen to over and over again. I mean, and it's even hard because we were coming out of doing a lot of club shows and where, you know, doing something that's like immediate is kind of the, the main thing. Like you actually want to kind of, uh, you know, shake people up and make people notice you. So you get, you kind of get trained to surprise the audience in an immediate kind of way. So once we started making records, we kind of had to figure out how to get it in perspective in a way. The live show is one thing because it can be funny. Everyone's laughing together. But if you're going to put something down on a CD for repeated listening, it'll get... I mean, the thing is, I mean, I feel like you're all, they're already kind of playing with fire putting this on a CD because it's not like something you want to listen to. Like, well, it's, not Dangerous. Like, it's not like a favorite song where right. you're just, just like... Oh, I gotta listen to Why Is the Sunshine in the, <laughs> while I'm driving around. It's it's definitely. I mean, they they would hate the the idea of this, but it, it kind of is a novelty EP, right? It's kind of like here's like a, a cover of this old '50s song, educational right. song. I mean, that in itself is funny, right? So I think the only thing to do on their end is to make it not too funny. Right? I think that's fine. It's a weird balancing act, and it is it is kind of its own. It's just kind of a self-defined act, and it does have a humorous aspect to it that makes it kind of a little bit lumpy compared to, uh, you know, most things that are either, like, you know, very self-serious or, yeah. or clearly for laughs. I think the truth is, like, we just wanted to figure out how to make music that would, like, stand up to... We wanted to, to like, you know, have our sensibility, but, but also hold up to repeated listening. And, I, and you know, that's... That, in and of itself, like anytime you you incorporate humor into something, in a way you're kind of invite you're sort of almost putting a sell by date on it. Like you don't want to listen to a comedy record like a hundred times. The other thing I wanted to bring up, as I mentioned before, they did change the title a little bit. So the original title on the vinyl is just called "Why Does the Sun Shine," and that's it. Mm -hmm. But the one that they put out is "Why Does the Sun Shine" with a question mark, and then in parentheses, "The Sun is a Mass of Incandescent Gas." And I don't know the reasoning behind that. Maybe they thought the long scientific title made it even more like, I don't know, like straight and serious sounding. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. We're going to do um, a song that we like to call uh, The Sun is a Mass of Incandescent Gas, but the title is actually Why Does the Sun Shine, which might be easier to understand. See, now I have nothing to say while John puts his guitar on because the song has already been introduced. Well, I'll just tell you that this next song is another one of the most popular They Might Be Giants songs, and perhaps some say it's a coincidence, some say it's not a coincidence, but 
Again, we didn't write this song. So we're left wondering. We're, we stay awake at night thinking about and right it. Right after this, we're going to perform Obladi Oblada by the Beatles. Another very popular song. Lowest common denominator music for everyone. So maybe they thought that's where they would put a joke in. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a fun... It's, I think in general, it's funny to have a song title and then a really long thing right. in parentheses that's longer than the song yeah. title. I think that just, like, graphically looks funny on an album. What's interesting to me for... And now we're finally into the recording that they did. We're, we're not there yet? We're there now. Okay. Landsberg, he's not singing in the funny, deep voice that Tom Glazer does. Right. He's, he's, he's singing it pretty... He's, he's doing, like a, a very, like, a fairly, like, sincere... Right. As you know, as much as you can. Same with Linnell doing the facts. Right. He's not doing that in a funny way either. It's it's pretty straight. It's very sparse. Oh yeah. It's really sparse. I wanted to ask about the um it's like his guitar sound mm -hmm. going like it's kind of um got effects on it. Is but that it, his guitar? I, I thought about this a lot. It I it's I'm pretty positive it's his guitar. No, because I think they're trying to give it a live feel. Mm -hmm. So like Linnell's on accordion. Then Brian okay. Doherty is on Glockenspiel, which hi, we talked to Brian. him about. We talked to him about in our big interview with him. Yeah. Go to that. We actually talk about a lot about all the songs. Well, not too much, but we talk a bit about the songs on this EP because Brian was there. So I'm pretty sure that's like a guitar sound. And if you really listen closely, you can kind of hear how it strums a little. Like okay. it's a strum. Yo ho, it's hot. The sun is not a place where we could live. But here on earth, there'd be no life without the light it gives. There, there is it. one live version uh, where he has that effect on the guitar also. The sun is a mass of incandescent gas, a gigantic nuclear furnace, where hydrogen is built into helium at a temperature of millions of degrees. But yeah, it's it's very sparse, and it's so sparse that honestly, I wanted to ask you about this as a bass player. Yeah, yeah. When the the bass comes in on like the second verse or maybe the third, it's it's kind of a loose structure of the song. Yeah. But when it comes in, it's actually pretty impactful. Yeah, yeah. But it's also kind of a, a strange thing where it's a song that's so quiet and sparse. Like the bass player has really got to be <laughs> on point, right? Yeah. Like they, you got to like have a good balance of it's got to be kind of interesting, but not. It could be disruptive. It could like steal the whole song. Yeah. We need its light. We need its heat. We need its energy. Without the sun, without a doubt, there'd be no you and me. So yeah, it's interesting. Mm. Like there, there's there's personality there, but you can't. Even though there's so much room to go crazy, yeah, yeah. you can't because it's it's just too much. And as the song continues, he does a few more notes, like in between the mm -hmm, notes, you know, mm -hmm. a few more like do 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 do, you know, runs, runs, soft touch. It's a soft touch, uh, but it's it's perfect. I, I think it's also it's a great mix. It just sounds really nice. Um, the mm -hmm. accordion sounds really nice. It's a gentle. What I wrote on my notes is it's a gentle recording. Yeah, it's it's like very sweet and sincere. Yes, it's a blanket wrapping you up. That's right, like Le <laughs> Louisiana, <laughs> the yeah. state song demo, putting you to sleep. Oh, I wanted to ask you though. What? <laughs> thematically, uh -huh. this song. 
Why? Yeah. Do you think it's That's just... That's not a question. It's, it says why. That's a question. <laughs> Back in the news group days, I remember like... I do remember Chris Stengel talking about like, why cover this? And there, and he his he was kind of hinting at like, there's all this allusion to death in the song, which is like, there'd be no you and me, nothing okay, could survive right. on earth. And and he was, he sort of saw it as a thread in like the things they've covered and that, like these kind of dark themes that are kind of under the surface, which I thought sure. was interesting. I don't even know if that's conscious on their part though, right? I would doubt that it would be conscious. Yeah. I think they're just something that draws them to those themes. I think it might, it might almost be just be the melody of the song and everything, right? Without the sun, there'd be no light. It fits in with their themes of space and coming off of But Apollo there's almost a doomed, and, yeah. a doom-laden feel too. Like sure. this thing is keeping us all alive and it's m- yeah. massive and it's, there. there's something there. Maybe it was keeping them up at night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they had to record this to finally go to sleep. I get anxiety about, you know, they say the sun's going to burn out in like six billion years or whatever. That gives you anxiety? Yeah. It, well, not, a little thinking too far into the future. Maybe <laughs> I think ahead. Um, anxiety might be the wrong word, but I get a kind of like a sadness when I think about, oh, it's just like all the stuff we've done is like just going to go away. Jordan, it hasn't been that good. <laughs> so don't well, worry say, about like, it. Let's say like fucking, okay, like pick a movie that's really good. Like, you know, let's like just go like, okay. Eight like, heads in a duffel like, bag. G- g- <laughs> Eight heads in a duffel bag is going to be, be wiped no more. from existence. Just think about that. And the, you just proved my point. <laughs> think about the days of filming that. That's Those are 16 hour days. All that work for not, not I say. That's the nature of everything, Jordan. We're here Every, but for a moment. Everything decays. Yeah. XTC song. That's really sad and great. It's their last song too that they put out on an album. Well, it's about go. how every you everything, no See, matter he what. He agrees with me. But yeah, I don't know. So sometimes this song makes me think of that in a weird way. Um, well, that makes one of us. Maybe I'm just crazy. Maybe I'm just a dark so and so, son of a bee, <laughs> 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 son of a bun. <laughs> the, I actually did want to talk about the melody. Did, yeah. Tell me if you had this experience. I did not. When I heard sure this I song for the first few times. My in my mind, I was like, "Oh, it's a melody from another. Th- it's like this famous melody, and they're putting sun lyrics on top." It seems familiar, right? Yeah. But but I, I think it's just par for the course for like '50s style '50s educational yeah. songs. Because in my mind, for years, I was like, "Yeah, that's another song." The way it's right. like someone's in the kitchen with Diana. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. So the melody that is so familiar. I kind of feel dumb yeah. for not realizing this already. And I feel like you're going to smack your head too. Yeah, which is, I might. Which might hurt because you've you got big, big strong mitts. hands. <laughs> big mitts. All I need are my mitts. Um, so here, I'll, first I'll play, I'll play you this. I got a big head too. <laughs> so I'll play you this clip from a Bugs Bunny cartoon because knowing you, this is where you'd know it. And I don't mean that. Oh boy! I mean that's what I where I would know it too. So in the end of this cartoon, you might recognize this melody. What's up, Doc? There's a wabbit down there, and I'm trying to catch him. Boy, Elmer Fudd is fucking stupid, huh? <laughs> I think yeah. the poor guy's screwy. The sound is a massive, I can't take. So, 
So this is it's the similar. It's similar, but yeah. so the, the T- TMBW um, says this, states this as a fact, and I- I'm inclined to kind of agree that it's based on this melody. This is a song called "The Girl I Left Behind." Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's called "The Girl I Left Behind Me," and it's a song that dates back to the 1700s, maybe 1600s, <laughs> and it's you. like a, an army song. It's like a military song that, that people played in like Ireland. Uh, in Dublin. Shouldn't they be like fighting the battle instead of singing songs? <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, that's why it takes so long. That's how Napoleon lost, yeah. right? They were all singing. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, they were freezing. <laughs> ah. so, yeah. So like here, here's one of the earliest ever versions of it, and it's by Uncle Dave. Not my uncle, but this is Me? His, this is Uncle I'm an, Dave. I'm an Uncle Dave. <laughs> you are an Uncle Dave. This is Uncle Dave Macon, I think is how you pronounce it. This is from 1925, and this is one of the earliest like recorded versions. Now, people, that was an old southern melody. We're going to give you the girl I left behind me now. If I can make it through this war, the Yankee boys don't find me. Well, if we should to the golden shore with the girl I left behind me. Kind of sounds like an old prospector, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> that is the secret origin, I think. Do you think it's do you think it's a coincidence, or do you think it's like the writers of space songs? Uh, they they were pulling from that. You think mm. they even realized it, or you think that was the point of it? Like we're gonna take the, almost what they might be giants do sometimes, yeah. right? I really couldn't tell you, Jordan. <laughs> Dave, why don't you know this? <laughs> I could see both answers being viable. I thought you were say being vile. <laughs> being vile. <laughs> I mean, I yeah, I still stick to my original statement that these melodies are sort of lingering around. But that yeah, that one especially. I remember from all the old Popeye. It's in Popeye cartoons a lot. It's just like yeah, could definitely be military song. Yeah, it's it's very similar. It's not note for note, but it's I'll I'll accept. It does the up and down. That's it's probably that's a musical terminology. Up and down. Yeah, it probably is. I think it was worth the time to talk about it. Into helium at a temperature of millions of degrees. The sun is hot. It is so hot that everything on it is a gas. Iron, copper, aluminum, and many others. The sun is large. If the sun so Linnell's speaking parts, he's kind of drenched in reverb a mm-hmm. bit. I don't know. Does that give kind of like a college, like a classroom feel almost like some big, uh, like a lecture is being given? I don't know. Space feel. Maybe he's in space, right? There's something a little strange that I wanted to play. Uh, This might be over analyzing I'm sure it it is. But so Flansburg's voice is, he's just alone and stuff. There's one syllable where it sounds like he doubled one syllable. And it's when he says, is far away. And it's the, uh, in a way. Listen, wow, so, you really did listen to this. Well, the thing is, it's like either his vo- his throat just did that, and it just sounds <laughs> like because sometimes that could happen where your your throat does a weird thing where it's like sounds kind of different like mm-hmm. that, or he like overdubbed or he had a, a creative idea where he's right. like, I'm just gonna overdub one syllable. Let so, me let me hear it. I'll yeah, tell you yeah, which one it is. Tell me, Dave. The sun is only a middle sized star. The sun is far away. About 93 million miles. Mm. I'll go back. The 
sun is far away. Right? Do you I hear it? I think that's a double. Isn't that like an interesting it's very specific. idea? It's so specific. I mean, that, I find that very, like, that's the kind of thing yeah. that, that turns me on, man. Is <laughs> just like, oh, that was like, it's such a live sounding song, but yeah. he's like, oh, it needs this one thing. Oh. It almost sounds like a mistake that could happen in the, like. <laughs> I mean, it could be his vocal cords acting up and. Yeah. There's like some weird, the there's like some freaks out there who can do crazy things. Like, like Billy, Billy West, West uh, I can was do just, this. Yeah, Billy West can double sound like he's he's two people two people at the same time, like different octaves or something, yeah. right? Uh, I mean, Flansburg can play two trumpets at once, so maybe he just has two <laughs> vocal cords. Well, Dave, I didn't even ask, like, do you like the song? Like, what 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 do you think of it? I like the rock version. You like the rock version a lot more. I a think lot it, more. Yeah, it has a lot more uh, replay value. I think that's true. That's yeah. true. Yeah. It's awesome live. It's really fun. I don't know. I think it falls under the category of one of those ones I've heard so many times. It's that it's hard to know. Hard to even know what I think about. I'm it. exactly the same with it. Actually, yeah. I, I don't know what I think of it. I yeah. do know that I, I like the duo slower. Mm-hmm. I find it kind of bouncy and and I guess it's a little cute. But it, yeah, it's fun for sure. Yeah, um, gives you a warm feeling. Something that I just want to end this segment with is is this like the journey of the song is interesting to me. So it starts out as like. Maybe it's kind of an ironic, you know, strange thing for like a performance art kind of band to do, right? That they mm-hmm. they got inspired by another performance art group. So they're playing this song as a duo and it's like, we're going to teach this rock club audience facts <laughs> about the sun. Like, obviously that's ironic, even though I think their their love for the song is not irony. Right. They genuinely love this album. Yeah, that, and Linnell loves science. Yeah, then Linnell loves science. Know, science magazines um, and stuff. Then it turns into a rock song right. and it becomes almost kind of a sincere rock song where like, this is just going to be fun as hell. Yeah. We're just going to do, but it's still kind of ironic because they're doing facts about the sun. Then when they become a, a kid's band, <laughs> yeah. like in their spare time, sure, they do the song and, and we've kind of circled all the way back around yeah. and now they're literally a, a children's act doing a children's song written for children. The about the sun. Life. It's like interesting, right? And I'll play you a little Sunrise, bit. Sunrise, of- sunset. You know, ladies and gentlemen, people think it's important to tell the truth in songs, but this song is kind of like a Where's Waldo of songs because we've slipped in tiny little lies and we want to see if the super detective brains of Chicago can figure out where those lies are. This is almost entirely true and can really help you later on in life, especially in high school. Well, it's got a lot of facts in it that you can pretend you knew by heart, but in fact they're just in a song. (laughs) This song is called Why Does the Sun Shine? Well, that's why we do anything, right? For the kids. So then they do this really cute kind of a yeah. mix between the rock version and the duo version where yeah. it's like you've got accordion and it's like kind of, it's not as intense sounding. So I just thought that was a really interesting journey for the song that it came all the way back around to being a children's song on a children's album and at children's man. shows. Obviously, we're not done talking about this song <laughs> because they've done it so many more times, but yeah. let's move on. To be continued. Stay tuned. Let's move on to track two on this thing. Jessica. Jessica.
Jessica, here's my theory about why this is on here. I, I think it's because even with the straight version of it, Why Does the Sunshine is still kind of a funny song to cover and put on an, on an album, but mm-hmm. doing just an instrumental like Jessica, there's nothing funny about it. It's kind of like a reset button. Yeah, it's just kind of like, no, we're like a good band yeah. and like we're, we're serious about composition and music and mm-hmm. arranging. And it, they do a beautiful arrangement of Jessica with, with you know, the accordion and the guitar playing in right. sync and, and the, the woodwinds. The woodwind, you know, it's it's like a great, you know, it's like a really good composition. So I think it's there to kind of diffuse the humorous aspect sure. of things. That's my that's my interpretation. I didn't know that the original version was 19 minutes longer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I listened to it like three times <laughs> to try to get it in my head, like, What's different about Jessica? Let's listen to the a, whole middle. Yeah, the whole middle. Um, <laughs> it's cut otherwise, out. it is pretty similar. Let's listen to yeah. some of the original Jessica right now. By not, the, not that the long version's bad or anything. No, like it, it's a great instrumental, but it's very. But it's not the size long. that counts. <laughs> yeah, uh, here, it's by the Allman Brothers yes. band, a band to be honest, I know very little about. Um, well, I, step aside, Sunny. Now I don't know. I did about listen to the album that contains Jessica. I listened to that like twice. Cool. Tell me, tell me, friend, just exactly where I've been. You know, it's just kind of 70s, like, ch- chilled out rock that nice. is not exactly my, my kind too. of thing, but it's not bad at all. Um, let's I, listen. I was thinking the middle of a song is where you start the drugs <laughs> yeah. and zone out. Let's listen to the original Jessica, and you'll, you'll notice a bit of a similarity, because <laughs> it's very similar. So you've got this acoustic intro, which is more folky and mm-hmm. um, has kind of a different tone to it in a way. So I was looking up stuff about the song. Jessica refers to the daughter of the songwriter from the Allman Brothers band. Oh. He was watching. Her, this is actually very cute. Uh, he was watching her uh, playing. He was like strumming his guitar and just kind of the way she was playing and bouncing around. He wanted oh. to do a song that captured this kind of sweet little kid energy very cute and that's adorable um what's not cute is the song led to a big fight between apparently the bridge where it goes like as they say on the wikipedia it goes down to a g which is Mm -hmm. like it goes like That was written by another member of the band, but okay. he didn't get credit for for song for the songwriting for ah. Jessica. And he's like, he was like, I tied it all together. Like he was saying how like the original writer Dickie Betts, the mm-hmm. guitarist, like he was stuck and he he went to the uh, less less do do deck. <laughs> I don't know how to say his <laughs> name. Uh, he he went to him saying like, I'm stuck. What what do you got? And he mm. like went down to a G and, pl- and thought of those chords and, and all that stuff. But he didn't get credit. But apparently mm. they made up in the future and were like, ah, whatever. It's not a big deal. So good. But let's let's just talk a, a little bit about that big difference, which is how long it is. Yeah. 
I obviously can't play too much of the song, but let's just like listen to what happens <laughs> in the middle of the song. Yeah, kind of years away. Which they might be giants. I think wisely snipped all snipped it all out and they kind of kept the essence of the song. Well, they don't do very long songs. No, they don't. I mean, they never have. Yeah, I, I like was playing it and I walked away. <laughs> yeah. And I I was like doing something else. I came back. I'm like, wait, this is still going. It's, let's fast it's forward. Seven and a half let's fast forward old. another like two minutes. Again, I like it. It go it goes on. And it's yeah. but it's great. It's great musicians yeah, yeah. playing together and having fun. Yeah, it's cool. And it's all it's all sunshine and lollipops to yep. me. But I think they might be giants. I think it's very on brand for them to be like, let's cut out seventy five percent of this song, <laughs> and just like let's do the the hook really. Right, right. Let's do the thing that people when you start playing the song, people go, oh, it's that song. You know, I really love their arrangement of it. I don't have too many specific <laughs> like comments on it. It's just like really well done. It's like it. You know, I think probably I don't know if you had the same experience. I had never. Heard. I did. I had never heard of Jessica. I think a lot of the fans haven't heard of it. In fact, I was looking yeah. at the I old... I wasn't an Allman Brothers expert <laughs> uh, before I heard yeah. it, no. Um, I was looking at the old news group from when this came out, and people were like, yeah. oh my God, they played They Might Be Giants in a Buick commercial, but it's because a Buick commercial right, had right. the <laughs> original Jessica, and people yeah, were yeah. confused. I think I remember that, actually. Yeah, so people didn't even know it was a cover. Um, I mean, I didn't know Istanbul was a cover. So yeah, a lot of people still <laughs> still don't actually yeah. on Twitter. I see that a lot. Well, um, I, I know that much at least. They it's also a slowed slower. it. Yeah, oh, Whoa. they slowed it down a little. Hello, which is interesting because it doesn't register like that when you just listen yeah. to it but yeah it's a Didn't little feel slower slow at all i love the speaking of that controversial bridge yeah. um i love the way they do it i love the tone of it it's very tmbg-ish to me that's Linnell with himself. I think it's Linnell on mm. accordion, but also on the sax. Cause I, I do know Kurt Hoffman's there too, but I think, yeah, I don't know. It's hard. Cause it says Linnell played bass clarinet. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. That might be him with himself, but something I, I just picked up on there though, is you can see why maybe specifically Linnell likes the song because it does the scale thing. Where yeah, it goes, yeah, yeah. Do, 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 do. It like goes up, which like Linnell has talked about. It's in so many of his songs that he wrote mm -hmm. where like the melody or the, uh, uh, the baseline or a piece of the arrangement kind of goes up the scale. Ascending. Ascending. Thank you. Um, that's like very, very John Linnell. So it's like, it almost feels like a Linnell original. Like it almost feels like what the state song, Mississippi or whatever. Yeah, yeah.
the only other thing I wanted, they did play this live. I don't know if it was more than once, but I have one version of it. So let's just listen to some of them doing it live because that's like a rare occasion. A rare treat. Joining us now on saxophone is Mr. Brian Cohen, ladies and gentlemen. Give it up for the man. Go into the time tunnel now and do a song. We checked out on K Rock during the, you know, it's uh, our turn in the morning's Grease Man all night. And uh, it's the Allman Brothers song, Jessica. Yeah, so that's like the one, maybe one time they played it I feel it like live. that's a good song to start a set with. Yeah, it's surprising that... on stage, set a good, like, happy tone. Yeah, it's surprising that when this came Get out, the they, levels didn't, right. they, didn't, <laughs> they didn't do that more often. They should play it more. They should. It's a fun, it's a great little instrumental. Um, you know, I go back and forth between, like, is this TMBG-ish or is this not TMBG-ish? Because it feels almost too straight for mm. them or too... Like, I don't know, it's like a strange idea for a cover, but at the same time, like I said, there's there's elements of it that are very, very, like, right. what the, the kind of stuff that they've done before. Well, they didn't make it as much their own as the next track. Yes, good segue. Uh, but before the segue, let's talk 40 minutes more about Jessica. Okay. No, just kidding, Dave. Let's talk about track three on the WDTSS Whoa. EP, that's what fans call it. It's easier to say, but it's yeah. not. Yeah, it's way easier to say it. Um, Whirlpool, a Meat Puppets cover. Let's yes. listen to, let's first listen to They Might Be Giants version, as we do on this show usually. Okay. Track three. I'll go first. Uh, uh, this is one of my all-time favorite. I know they might be giants <laughs> recordings. Yeah, um, it's great. It. I don't know. It speaks to me. Yeah, it's hard to. It's hard to well, nail it's like a it little down. Fable. Yes, yes. It's funny because it is almost childlike, right. which is perfect for this EP. Yep. But at the same time, it's got a. It's kind of complex in a in an abstract way. And it has a sadness too. Yeah, it has a sadness. I think that's why you like it. It's that juxtaposition yeah. that you're fond of. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, Dave. Dave's, there you go. <laughs> 75 bucks. Dave's mansplaining the, the, <laughs> the song to me. Yeah. No, just explaining <laughs> as a man. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I can't do it any other way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. This is like, I just really love this. Um, and I think yeah, I've, I've talked to other fans who, who have a similar reaction to it, where it's like kind of a special recording. Years ago, you mentioned to me that you love the chords that are made up with the brass instruments mm -hmm. in this song. Really? And how special that was. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's all done as an arrangement, right. meaning each 
Each as instrument a, yeah, plays a note in a chord. Plays a note as opposed to someone right. putting their hand on a piano or yeah. strumming a guitar chord. You're like creating the, the chords from different melodic lines from a single yeah. source, which is something that's really cool and yeah. interesting and it's hard to do. I mean, at least for me, I mean, it's, it's hard for me to arrange stuff like that. Um, I could give a little insight into that, which is that in that same interview I read from before, John Linnell said, talking about Whirlpool, John Flansburg put together an alternative horn chart version of it. On the Meat Puppets, it's kind of an up-tempo guitar-driven mm. song, and ours is very so. So John Flansburg apparently wrote that chart, hmm. which is crazy, because I, yeah, yeah. I didn't even know he did that sort of thing. I would think maybe Linnell or Kurt Hoffman or, you know, right. the horn players, but he, he probably worked it out on like a synth first, right? Let's talk a bit about the Meat Puppets and about this song. I picked out a few other Meat Puppet songs that I think are cool and from that album too. First, let's listen to the Meat Puppets version of Whirlpool a bit and you'll see the stark difference between the two. Yeah, I never heard that version before you sent it to me. I, yeah. I love it, by the way. I think yeah, it's, it's great. great. It's great. I, I think I'm a Meat Puppets fan. Oh, shit. So I might look into more of their stuff. <laughs> let's, I don't know much about them. Let's dive in, huh? To the, right. to the Whirlpool. We could. Yeah, the, the original version is great. I mean, it's, it's really a, a good case of like both things are yeah. good for different reasons kind of thing. I still think I prefer the They Might Be Giants one, mm -hmm. maybe just because I'm a fan. But there's something, like you said, there's something sad in their mm -hmm. version, lonely. And I don't know, there, there's something there. There is something I wanted to talk about, maybe before we get into the lyrics, but there, the Meat Puppets version has an extra verse. Yeah, yeah. And it's really weird. It's very weird. <laughs> it's almost like more TMBG-ish than even TMBG, yeah. which I think th they probably thought that and were like... It's almost a parody of themselves. Exactly. Let, let's listen is, to I that. That's why they cut it. <laughs> let's listen to that extra verse. It's almost like the Weird Al cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or a uh, style parody. He does, a, he does a thing I don't like, though, in, in the when he says bye, he goes, you can do it, Dave, because my throat can't do it. But you can. It was stolen by a monkey. Bobcat Goldway yeah. uh, for, makes an appearance. Yeah, I, I don't like that, unfortunately. But um, Do you think that was an accident? Like, do you think that was a little vocal foible? I don't know. Well, I'm not as familiar with him. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe he does that on a lot of songs. Yeah, yeah. It's so easy to slip into Bobcat. <laughs> 
So the the verse cut out is the whirlpool's mother wore a jacket she'd sewn out of dental floss. Mm-hmm. It was stolen by a monkey. A monkey <laughs> that sold it to an albatross. So that's fucking weird. Um, it's almost like uh, pray for the girls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it kind of reminds me of like Camper Van Beethoven as lyrics like that, where mm-hmm. they're so absurd. It almost, it makes TMBG look like normal mm. because I, I think with a lot of They Might Be Giants, I can kind of, I mean, especially from doing the show, I can kind of trace what they're doing and connect things to each other. And Right. It's not as esoteric as one may think. Yes. But like, that's really weird. <laughs> like that might to me be uninterpretable. <laughs> It's almost like when Kurt Cobain would try to string together random things yeah, yeah. for his lyrics. And they're both Meat Puppets and Nirvana from the same right, kind exactly. of uh, thing. They actually, they got famous from playing, they played back up with Nirvana on their bit famous Unplugged MTV right. Unplugged performance. And that was a big thing for the Meat Puppets. Nirvana covered their song too. There you go. Um, yeah, Meat Puppets, I don't have a strong opinion on them. Uh, what I've heard I've liked, but I've also like haven't been swept away by them where I'm like, oh mm-hmm. shit, I got to get into them. And I did try. Like, I, I, There was a time, especially when I had a nine to five and I had to listen to tons of music all day because mm-hmm. um, my job, I was kind of in a back room where you could listen to music. Um, I'd put on a bunch of Meat Puppets albums for a while and just none of them ever hooked, got their hooks into me. Mm-hmm. They're growing on me a lot more, I'll tell you that. Actually, there's one Meat Puppet song that I really do love that I've known for years and that I, I know int- intimately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's from one of my favorite things ever, which is Songs in the Key of X, oh, the yeah. X-Files soundtrack. I know that. It's a great soundtrack and there's a Meat Puppet song on it, which I didn't kind of... I've, Tell me more. I didn't think about it until recently. Like, oh yeah, that's Meat Puppets. Um, it's called Unexplained, and it sounds like like many of the great songs in the soundtrack. It sounds like it was written to be about X Files, and I'll play it for you a bit. But okay. uh, my my main thing is if you give me like a poetic indie rock song about UFOs that's mm-hmm. really catchy, like I'm just gonna love it. I'm gonna love it forever. Okay. Uh, this is Unexplained. They are not stars. Yeah, I like his voice. That's the thing about it. I think is I think like a lot of singers, they do different voices on different songs. Mm-hmm. But like uh, on that one, he just has this smooth quality. He was like, yeah. I always I try. I always think of the way he sings, like a rose is not a rose. <laughs> like, oh, you sound just like. Him. <laughs> I sound just like him. But there's just like a certain. Um, is that you, Mister Meat Puppet? <laughs> there's a certain quality. It's good. I like or it. accent. Like like yeah, Linnell yeah. has like his an voice. accent, even though sure. it's like hard to explain. I guess it's it. a New England accent. Yeah. Um, is that but, where they're from? I don't know, <laughs> but I always loved, uh, I always loved his voice in that. And it's such a catchy song, and it's creepy. It's kind of that yeah. weird. What's going on out there? It reminds me of the Nirvana Unplugged, the way he's singing. Maybe that's oh, like really? what Kurt Cobain was heading more towards. Yeah, I think yeah. he said. I think I read somewhere he was because his voice was starting to get shredded wow. from all that singing, screaming. 
Screaming. Sing, no, singing is what he should. Screaming in his personal life, but <laughs> yeah. singing on stage. But um, yeah, he's reminding me of uh, him a little bit. Yeah, I I think I will try to get more into the Meat Puppets. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try this weekend. Let's that X Files album got me into so many people. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Frank Black, great song on it. Great. We owe a great debt to that album. <laughs> we do. We really do. Something that's relevant is John and John saying backup on a Meat Puppet song yes. called White Sports Coat. And actually, White this Sport song. Coat. I didn't like as much. Well, let's listen. Let's listen a little and more, see what's, you know, what Dave's problem is. No, that wasn't good, but... I think you can like hear guitar mess ups in it. It's kind of funny. It almost doesn't sound like them. I hear Flansburg very clearly. Yeah. I don't hear Linnell. I think Flansburg's louder or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, as is as is how it goes usually. Flansburg talked a little bit about doing that. Flansburg said the Meat Puppets are a great band and yeah. hold a unique place in our heart. Their story is so wild, a movie couldn't contain it. I kind of looked up stuff about them. I, he, I think he, one of the members has a really bad drug problem and was in and out of jail a lot, mm. unfortunately, which led to the breakup of the band like three times. Mm. Anyway, he says. I'm happy the white sports coat recording worked out. White, white sports coat recording worked out. But it was tricky. From the jump, the white sports coat setup was as complicated as possible. We were on our own with Pat Dillett working on the demos for John Henry at Accello in Brooklyn. When the tape arrived, the studio was replete with analog equipment. The two-inch reel of tape that arrived had scant notation on it, other songs and jams, no specific tracking information, etc., I also remember feeling kind of bad that I couldn't perform an easy harmony part that sounded smooth and in the pocket. There was zero prep, so it felt so it really felt thrown in. Whirlpool was mm. more rehearsed and pur purposeful, and I think stands up a little bit better. But just being able to collaborate, however long distance, with the Meat Puppets was a privilege. So that's part of their history with the yeah. Meat Puppets. The other part is that there's um, the the guy, the main guy from the Meat Puppets, and his name is Kurt Kirkwood from mm -hmm. the Meat Puppets, who does is guitar and vocals. He illustrated a They Might Be Giants t-shirt. Did Whoa. you know that? Nope. I will show you. Not even going to pretend that he I did. He did this one with the skull. Do oh. you know this one? Uh, yes. So it's the t-shirt. I'll post a link to it or whatever picture on tw our Twitter. It's the skull with like kind of a pointy head and it's got like a ring around it and it's like waving. Mm -hmm. And it's a really weird, surreal drawing. It's very TMBG-ish, but right. the, the Meat Puppets guy actually drew that. What do you think of White Sports Coat? Oh, I like that song, song a lot. Yeah. I like it a lot because to me, it sounds like the song you put at the end of an album. It's got mm -hmm. those, it, got, it has those closure chords mm -hmm. where it's like we're ending things kind of thing, which is a hard thing to kind of talk about in words, but it's just got a feeling. Yeah. You know, it has like a kind of epilogue feel. Like, we're done with this album. We're closing the curtain. Goodbye. That, that's what I like about it. Okay. Um, I haven't looked into the lyrics, though. In terms of the way they covered this, there's actually an interesting clip from Flansburg that I'll play. Uh, that where It's not specifically about this, but it's about covers. I was doing a playlist for Spotify a couple weeks ago uh, a, that was basically the original versions of all the different songs that we've covered over the years. And um, it just kind of reminded me how... Uh, wide open. It, it seems really wide open. How whatever, you know, this, you know, whatever songs we've covered, 
they seem like they're coming from very, very disparate places in the musical universe. But I guess the truth is, is like when we do songs, when we cover songs, I think we either they're just really fantastic songs that are very underheard, and I, I think we feel like we can do a version that maybe can bring it forward and kind of have it get to a different audience, or we or or we feel like we can do a version of it that's very different than the original and kind of points out some musical quality in it that might have been missed otherwise. So I, th- I think that's really key. Yeah. Points out a musical quality. So I think they they heard sadness in Whirlpool or, or right. some, some sort of profound you know, thing. And, and they brought it out. They really did. They brought, they brought it out really well. I want to talk about their version more. You know, it's obviously, but we're out of time. But, um, first, Flan- I like, this is what I like about it. Flansburg sings the first verse yeah, and then Linnell sings the same verse again. Their reverb on their vocals to me sounds like a bathroom reverb. Hmm. There was a swirling mess of water that It's what would be called like a short reverb, you know, it's like it's wow. not some big epic thing, but it, it sounds like he's in a shower, which I think is on purpose because of the, the water thing. Third time. <laughs> yes. So Flansburg does a verse, Linnell does a verse. That, that to me gives, brings that nice feeling to it is that they're both doing it. I right? love when they do that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, Can't get enough of it. Linnell is even more in the bathtub in this song. <laughs> is that a euphemism? Yeah, he's like farther away. I wonder if it's real. I wonder if they took the mic into like a bathroom. It sounds very real, even though it's it's an easy thing to fake, you know, reverb, which is what most reverb you hear is. But um, it just sounds so authentic to me. Dave, what do you think about the lyrics? Well, it's what I said before. It's like very fable-ish. It's, yeah. You know, like a little journey that a anthropomorphic whirlpool is going on. I had a thought. It's almost like what, like a, what a Pixar movie is. Yeah. Where it's like, we're going to like make this thing have this existential feelings. journey. <laughs> yeah, we're going to give feelings yeah. to this thing that you never thought about. An, an ant or a, mm-hmm. a toy, a fish. A whirlpool. And this is like... like feelings. Yeah, I, I kind of see this as like a like a better version. I mean, I like this more than I like uh, Pixar movies. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you can really compare the two. <laughs> One's a movie. I know, one's a movie. What I just mean is there's more ambiguity to the song, mm-hmm. whereas the Pixar movies like really wants you to cry. Um, the song, I think... I think the song, you have to be kind of have a brain where you're like affected by these weird things. And, and I'm kind of like that, where yeah. it's just like I hear the song and I get really sad and I feel like... You have feelings. It's kind of inspiring in a weird way because it's like this whirlpool, like it was able to escape his... Because a whirlpool... It's like what in, is a whirlpool? In Anna Ng, he says, it's like a whirlpool and it never ends. Mm-hmm. And the idea of a whirlpool is it just goes round and round. It never stops. Which, by the way, it ties to the structure of the song. You got the first verse and the second verse are the same. Mm-hmm. And you could just go back and forth from one to the other. And just it could never really stops. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really clever. And I think They Might Be Giants cutting out that middle verse emphasizes it even sure. more. But I also think the original version kind of, that was might have been on his mind too. Because of, you know, when you... Going like full circle, mm-hmm. where you, which, which is exactly you, you know, you put the same verse at the start of the song as at the end of the song, and it, it kind of is just like a back and forth, almost palindromic, mm-hmm. you could say. But yeah, I think that's like really interesting about it too. 
Um, I get it. Yeah. I dig. But yeah, there's there's something very touching about it. They're almost singing it kind of funny, especially Linnell. He's almost doing a comical voice. A little do you bit, think? Yeah. yeah, which doesn't ruin it for me. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't like it doesn't take away from it for me. Well, it seems like they're telling you a fairy tale. Yeah, yeah. Like once upon a time. That's yeah, <laughs> like the nightmare before Christmas, like twas a long time ago. Right. extra thing they well there's two things they did do this live which is crazy because wow. i didn't know that until i like discovered in my files this next song is a uh, a meat puppet song up there for good noises record think that inspired dirt bike? Yeah, I think it did. Or maybe the arrangement of dirt bike inspired the way to do Whirlpool because they both existed around. What'd they do first? I don't know. Why don't you know? He's singing it a lot softer. Yeah, and it's slower too, yeah. live. I mean, it's probably because it's just hard. <laughs> it seems yeah. hard to play. The only other thing is there was a dial-a-song version of Whirlpool that sounds mm -hmm. identical, but there's one difference, which is that Flansburg doesn't sing Whirlpool. Like, it's just blank. And I also wonder if because it's dial song, maybe this is the synth. It's so hard to tell because it's this is like it's really bad quality even for dial song. But let's just check that out. And I can't tell if this is like a demo with synths or if it's real. But he did. There is a difference, which is his voice. Let me hear it. Okay. Son of a bitch. <laughs> It's a different vocal performance for sure. More languished, <laughs> more lugubrious. So check out this part where there's no chorus. He doesn't sing the chorus. You know, I like that too, actually. Yeah, I like that too. It breathes. 
Kind of makes you think about the lyrics more. Yeah, I, I thought that was an interesting, an interesting By thing. Gum? <laughs> it makes me wonder about the timeline of them doing this cover and what what went into it and how you know. So many questions. But yeah, that's that's Whirlpool. I love Whirlpool. If you ever, if ever, if someone ever comes up to you and goes, "Does Jordan love Whirlpool?" Now you know. Now you know. <laughs> gun to your head, Dave. What's next? Next up, we got Spy. Okay, so we're not, I don't want to talk too much about this because I want to save the major spy discussion for John sure. Henry in terms of the lyrics and the, the sound of it. But I wanted to. So we're done. We're done. I wanted to talk just a little bit about the differences. I mean, this yeah. is kind of weird because usually we talk about the demos. Well, the differences after. are what make us the same. It's true. Basically, some background. They Might Be Giants kind of in, in recent years released the John Henry demos, which contain this version of Spy because this is the version of Spy mm-hmm. done at Excello Studios along with all the other John Henry demos and the Why Does the Sunshine EP and other various kind of things that, that have come out in, in lots of different releases, mm-hmm. you know, like About Me and that. Okay, song. yeah, yeah. So the, this, this was like a very productive session for them. They did a lot. So this is that version of Spy, which maybe possibly at the time, they might have thought this was the definitive version mm-hmm. of Spy. Like it just says, it just says Spy on the back. It doesn't say Spy original, whatever. You right. Know? So they might have just been like, yeah, here's Spy. It's the one... And maybe when Preview. they redid John Henry and they redid Spy, they're like, oh, well, let's put the new one with the... I don't know. Who knows what they were thinking? It's weird because it's so similar, but it's mm-hmm. very different too in, in like subtle ways. It has stops. Yeah. I, I find the drums. the drums are actually very different throughout. Yeah. Um, I find that it is kind of a shock when you first... When you're so used to the other one and then yeah. you press play on this one. Is that what, how the kids listen to music? Mm-hmm. Press play? No, they press stop. The difference becomes like very immediate, which is that Flansburg's vocal is like a lot louder in the mix. Uh-huh. It's a yeah. lot more up front. Um, it's actually weirdly, when you compare both, it's not even his vocal. Everything in the mix pops out more. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a more dynamic mix. I wrote in my notes that it's more jubilant. Yeah, I saw that. The John Henry mix, and I don't mean this as a, as a negative, but it's more evened out. Like everything's mm-hmm. kind of at the same volume. More polished. It's, more professional. It's just smoothed out. Like yeah. the horns are in the background and Flansburg's vocals are more in the background and everything's kind of on the same level. Whereas this, um, this I don't even know if you call it a demo because it's such a, it's like a full band recording, mm-hmm. right? Because there is a demo for Spy actually that was on Dial-A-Song, which we'll get to in the future. Whoa. This version is just so, um, the horns like pop right out of the mix, like right in your ear. Mm-hmm. Like Flansburg's vocal is like really, you know, like in front of you. There's There's just more things kind of, really going up and down in the mix in an exciting way. But maybe they thought it was too much. Maybe they thought it was too distracting. Like, it's I don't too know. It's too exciting. Um, it's too much song. Flansburg's also singing in a more exaggerated accent. Yeah. Uh, he's still doing it on John Henry, but it's like definitely more of like a... More noir. More, yeah, more of like a, a character, like, like yeah, a cool see. guy. I see you through my spyglasses, baby. Oh, the bass is much more trebly too. Yeah, the bass is trebly. I think Flansburg's guitar is more distorted too, hmm. which comes up in the freak out section at the end. Um, that's it's a, a major. That's a major difference. It is a great song. Um, <laughs> something that might be interesting. I'll just play a clip because it's. Listen, okay. I'm gonna do a back and forth. The John Henry version has so much more kick drum that it's like shocking. Wow. 
uh, like, and it's the most shocking news of the it's, day. It's basier overall, mm-hmm. but like, I'll just go back and forth a little. And actually, this might be a good time to talk about Brian Doherty's drums because, and I don't know why they changed this, but his drums are a little more um, unpredictable hmm. in the demo in this version, and it's they're a little more straightforward in the newer version. It's too much and, drum. And I wonder how that happened. Too much Doherty can't handle. If you want to be a spy, then you must really see. And now I'm going to play the John Henry version. If you want to be a spy, then you must really see. And you must really see if you want to be a spy like me. So I don't know if you hear Dave on those headphones. Those are pretty bassy headphones, actually. But yeah, the, I kind of zoned out to the song, to be honest. The John Henry version just has more, <laughs> has more bassy, it's more warm sounding, which yeah, the whole yeah. album is, which is why I like that right. album. Um, which you talked about before. Yeah, and this version, it's a little more, it's a little more trebly, mm-hmm. a little more, um, it's a little more, honestly, it's a little more exciting, but is that, what, I don't know if that's good. <laughs> like, I don't know. I think fans do have a preference, and I've seen fans in the past say, like, this version's way better. Hmm. You know, I don't know. Do you have a preference? I'm too used to the John Henry version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this version has, uh, in the second verse, it has these like more funny sounding muted trumpets, I think. Is that what it's called? Muted? Here, I'll play what I play. Oh, they what put I mean. the plunger thing on Yeah, it? the plunger <laughs> thing. <laughs> We're not trumpet players. Clearly. <laughs> um, here, this part. I might gaze on the submarine. I see your face smiling at me. So it's funny as I thought that was in the John Henry one too, mm. but if you listen to the John Henry one, and I'm just going to go back oh back God. and forth to it, it's way more subdued. Right. They're just normal horns. So I kind of like the muted. It gives it kind of like a sleaziness. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It kind of makes it sexy. It's very sexy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the other thing is the John Henry version has the come on, which mm-hmm. this one doesn't have. Um, I think that's a great addition. Pluses and minuses. And a, a huge difference is the Flansburg's guitar solo in this one, which I wanted to. So in the other one, it's it's more rocking and smooth yeah, yeah. and exciting. And there's a lot of reverb, I think, on it. And it just kind of blends into the mix more where it's like this like soaring solo. In this one, it's like, it's almost kind of ear splitting and mm-hmm. jarring and kind of harsh and almost atonal. Yeah, that's a crazy solo. Which do you prefer? Do you want to listen to the other one? Yeah. Yeah, John Henry. Yeah, I think I picked the John Henry version, but I like how in the, the... earlier version his guitar pops out of the mix in a way where it's really steals your attention mm. and in this one i actually had to 
especially in the, in the second part of it, I actually had to really listen for it. Like, oh, what's he doing when all those horns come in and stuff? Like it gets, it's like gets a little buried. Sure. It's a good blend of, it's not, it's like, it's on key and it's on point, but it's still kind of messy and crazy. I also think it sounds more like a spy movie. Yeah. It's more of a spy riff. Yeah, exactly. Whatever that means. Sure. Yeah, and then we've got another major difference, which is the yelling, spy, mm-hmm. spy, spy. Um, I think I prefer the John Henry one, but what's interesting about the, I don't know what to call it. I really don't consider it a demo because it's such a big recording. What I consider- the EP version? Yeah, the EP version, they go back and forth in your headphones. Yeah, yeah. So anyone listening- Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> while I think that's a cool stereo effect, I think it's more- uh, I think it's more exciting to just have it be like a consistent, like one, two, three, four, spy, 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 rather than spy, 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 spy. (laughs) You know what I mean? It kind of, to me, it kind of tones down the excitement a bit. Something I think is, it's kind of funny about spy and about they might be giants is that I always think of both versions really, but I I think of the song is like really long because of the freak out section. Sure. It's two and a half minutes long, the whole song. Wow. (laughs) Like that's great. Like the spy part is just like one minute. Hmm. And then like the rest is, I mean, that's so funny to me. Yeah. And then the John Henry version is three minutes. That's, that's a normal, that's normal. That's like a normal song. Normal. It's like Spy <laughs> is actually shorter than most of the songs on John Henry. Wow. Even with a really long feeling improvised section, which we'll talk more about maybe in our John sure. Henry episode. In the weeks and months to come. What's interesting about this one is because Flansburg's doing, he has, his guitar is more distorted the freak out section. I named it that, by the way. I don't know if that's the official <laughs> name. I didn't know what else Copyright to call it. Jordan. The improv section. Who's, whose spy is in any way? <laughs> Two viable titles. He's, he has this distorted guitar and he does some cool like thrashing on it in the mm. improv section, which I'll play for you, Dave, which he doesn't do in the other one. He does a more jazzy, clean guitar mm. in the, the John Henry version. He's in the right ear. Sounds like the end of hearing aid. <laughs> That's a great point of reference. Yeah. 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 I think Plansburg likes when the songs just kind of disintegrate. <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's interesting, right? Mm. Yeah. I, I do like his thrashing in that, but I think I like on the John Henry one more when he does kind of the... It's just something more unique about that to me than just like, I'm just going to thrash or whatever, but it is cool sounding. I like both versions. They should combine both. Let's combine both. Let's combine both. If anyone, by the way, if you're not, if, if you don't know, I made a six hour long compilation for our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash C for some reason, slash don't let's start. I don't know why it's like that. I made a really long compla- compilation called They Might Be Giants Endless Spy Jam. And it's five and a half hours, not six hours. It's five and a half hours of countless <laughs> live performances of Spy edited to be as if it's one long jam. And in celebration of our discussion of why does the sunshine And what's not worth celebrating? I made a compilation video of over 270 performances of why does the sunshine Wow. And I put all the funny banter, the gases and the nuclear reactions, as you know, together. It's something we actually didn't talk about much as the funny jokes they do, but I think mm-hmm. we'll save that for next time we talk about the, the rock version, I thought. Yeah, I tried. You wouldn't let me. That was kind of my plan. But in celebration 
check out our YouTube. It's called Why Does the Sunshine Endless Gases and Nuclear Reactions? And it's over an hour long because that's how long wow. it, it takes to do 270 clips. And I made it so that it's like basically one long epic version of Why Does the Sunshine? Lots of funny, crazy stuff. Alrighty. That's it for Spy and for the Why Does the Sunshine EP. We did it. Dave, where do you rank this EP? Give me a ranking. Out of? Out of life experiences. <laughs> I give it uh, how many EPs they got? <laughs> oh God, I don't know. There's so many. It's good. There's there's not that many that are like, I like it. <laughs> where it's like not an album thing, where it's just its own weird thing. You know, a lot of them are like a single or like a preview. I rate it pretty high, just uh, with its connection to John Henry and that yeah. whole time period. That time, yeah. yeah. I mean, we didn't talk much about this because we covered it a lot in the other episodes. But like, this is their first studio recording with a band. With a band, yeah. Not counting because the uh, Christmas cards and Otanabom was a live soundtrack. Right. So this is the first time they're in a it's studio important. with a band, and I think it's important. It, damn it! I think it was like important to them to sound like a really tight, good yeah. band. And which, they do, which I think Jessica is has a lot to do with that, you know, in my mind. Yeah. And then Spy was them being like that was really them introducing the world to like here's our first yeah. new full band song, and you'll see why we have a band. Right. But we're gonna talk about that with our John Henry episode more. I think. All righty. That's the episode. Uh, we're gonna be back soon with our John Henry episodes. Yeah, our epic, our John Henry epic. I am looking forward to it. So much to say about th all those songs. I think <laughs> Dave does too. Dave, me and Dave love that album. It's my favorite. Um, album. We did some really cool interviews regarding that album. That'll be. In I almost the forgot we episodes. did that. We did a few. I was still hoping to, to gather more, but sure. at Don't Let's Pod is our Twitter. I'm going to post some fun stuff re relating to hey, this hey. episode. Uh, don't let's start podcast at gmail.com. If you have any thoughts or comments or questions, uh, we Send like, them over. we like doing, uh, we like reading emails on the show. And so make it, make it fun, make it interesting, make it something that we could talk about. Right. Yes. Um, don't make it something we can't talk about. So that's, that's the show. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you're enjoying your life. Dave, you, you've got a funny looking expression. Like you want to say something to me. You will never understand me. Bye. <laughs>